All right, guys, welcome back. I'm super excited today. We're talking to, you know, one of my favorite or, you know, the producer of one of my favorite products in the space, NVK of CoinKite. I'm here to talk about all of his awesome Bitcoin uh, security signing devices, uh, you know, other Bitcoin kind of adjacent gadgets. So super excited to have this conversation. How's it going today, NVK? Hey, uh, thanks for having me, Alex. Uh, yeah, good day. Fun, interesting events in the world and not so fun, interesting events in the world. Yeah, it's really, uh, it's a mixed bag, man. I think uh, we can all, you know, agree at least that Bitcoin is needed now more than ever and education in the Bitcoin space is needed now more than ever. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh a lot of folks are still uh, uh, not taking self-custody seriously enough. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that uh, uh, Trudeau showed them that how important it is for people to take their, their, their Bitcoins off the exchanges, right? Um, you know, know your keys, know your Bitcoin. You're just sort of like a, a signature away from, from not having your coins anymore. It's, uh, it's quite scary. That's a good way to put it. If if you haven't heard that before, that'll definitely put some uh, urgency into getting your keys off exchange, like, or or rather moving your Bitcoin off the exchange. You're just one signature away from that not being your Bitcoin. Yeah, it, it's crazy, right? I mean, like the way that Emergencies Act work, um, you know, it doesn't even get voted when it gets enacted. The vote happens a few days later, so so technically they could have taken your stuff. And then accidentally lost it or whatever, and then, and then you're fighting them years later, which you win the lawsuit, but you might not get your coins back. It's kind of like Japanese encampment sites in Canada where you know families got all their stuff taken from them, and then you know, 20, 30 years later, they got like a fifty grand check. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's it's crazy, and there's also. It's difficult, right? Because there are different solutions. Like in all cases, some exposure to some level of Bitcoin is better than none. But there are definitely better ways to, um, you know, have custody of your own Bitcoin or different layers of Bitcoin that you want access to if possible. And I think that's kind of what some of the self custody stuff comes down to. So if we actually, I kind of want to go back and hear a little bit, if you don't mind, about your story and how you came to do what you do, if you'd like to describe that journey for us. Yeah, so, uh, you know, we, me and uh, my business partner, Dot Hacks, uh, we came uh, to the Bitcoin uh, paper back when it came out on the slash dot, it was about 2010. Uh, you know, anybody who read that paper back then would sort of like laugh and say that there is absolutely no way this thing was going to work. And that was true for still a few years after that. <laughs> uh, you know, these are the days that if you want to buy Bitcoin, you go on an IRC chat and you see some of the pricing happening there. And then you go meet somebody at Starbucks with like, you know, a early 2000s like laptop and, and you know, and, and then, you know, you give them cash. And, and they would sort of like transfer to you and then you wait for confirmations. <laughs> it was very awkward. Uh, and 
we we built a, a blockchain explorer uh, back in uh, 2011, late 2011. I think that's when a BTC look came out. Uh, the blockchain uh, would fit in Redis, so it was still in memory. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how we started to understand it. We were still working on other stuff, right? I mean, like, Bitcoin was still sort of like internet magical money, right? And, uh, you know, just slowly, slowly sort of like putting all the energy and all the time into like Bitcoin projects and, you know, Bitcoin payment terminals, Bitcoin debit cards. And then we had like a whole Bitcoin custody solution back then and, uh, you know, sort of wanted to get out of that business. And then eventually we decided to sort of like just do what we like, which is hardware, focus just on that and, uh, you know, make very secure hardware wallets for for ourselves and, and for people that want it and make open dime uh, for people that wanted to transact physically. And that's sort of like, we, we, we evolved with the space through, through time. That's sort of the journey. Yeah. And it's been, it's, it's been fun to watch. I mean, the occasion uh, for bringing you on is really, you've got the Mach 4, I, uh, I believe of your cold card. So if you want to talk about that a little bit, the, uh, you know, what's new? Sure. So this is the, the fourth version in just a few years. Uh, you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, we, we kind of love the hardware development part. So we just keep on making new versions. Uh, Mark three is still undefeated. Uh, but we, we felt like there was a lot of room to improve a lot of things we want to do because the market sort of like continues to, to move. Right. Um, Principally, there is a lot of people experimenting with multi-sig, so we wanted to give the device infinite memory relative to transaction size, so there is no bottleneck there. So this one, it's, it's like, you know, the, the running joke internally is that it's infinite memory now, right? So transactions can be as big as the blockchain will take it. Um, and it's a lot faster. Um, it's going to have USB-C. It's time to change that connector. Um, it's going to have a nice little mm. sliding case, like a proper calculator. Um, there you go. Yeah. Uh, we wanted to experiment with NFC um, so that, you know, the UX to phones become a lot easier. Mm. Uh, there's more uh, hardware wallets coming to the market from very large players that will also have NFC. We, we think that mm. that's sort of like the technology that's going to dominate the space. Uh, because it is less complex than cameras, it's cheaper than cameras. It, you know, we, it's just a f yeah, go ahead. Can we take a second and talk about NFC? Because I've heard you talk about it before, but I'm sure a lot of the audience don't know what that is. Sure. So, you know, it's tap to pay, right? So everybody knows tap to pay. Uh, so now imagine tap to sign. <laughs> so essentially... Uh, you're going to put your code card against your phone um, and it's going to essentially push the PSBT file to your code card. And then your code card is going to say, do you want to sign this? Right. And then you put your pin, sign it. And then it sort of essentially transmits back to the phone uh, uh, in, in what we call contactless. Right. So it's like very mm -hmm. short range radio. So they, they, they have mm -hmm. to be beside each other. Mm -hmm. um, with so I literally, stack, if I were to just demonstrate, yeah. you literally... It's just, yep. PS PSBT, yes. Signed, done. Bitcoin sent. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, well, I mean, you're still gonna have to put your pin and stuff, right? 
Right, uh, right. Who knows? May, maybe uh, actually no, no. It's, it's just the check mark. No, you just press OK on the screen. Yeah. You literally just okay. And will yeah. we'll the the new ones will have pretty much the same layout, but you said yes. also a case. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's it's mostly the same. Uh, we we do have a new industrial designer, who uh, who is like an absolute beast, and uh, he he essentially what he did is we're maintaining exactly what it is because that's what we love, but we are like doing it a lot better in terms of the actual engineering of the case, right? So where the support little spots are and like. Just, just like it's tiny little things, right? Like the the tolerances around connectors, the gap between the micro SD and the micro SD slot, uh, you know, a little bit more room for the finger, that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, ooh, the NFC side, um, you're also going to be able to store. So, for example, put on the NFC top an address, right? So you can take a, a, a give an address to a phone. You could also put a oh, wow. BIP eighty five seed there so say you want to load your blue wallet with a seed bp85 seed mm -hmm. we can give that bp85 seed to the phone uh via nfc uh you could do uh, xpubs uh anything really so w whatever is possible through qrs on the screen or through uh, micro sd or through the usb is going to be available through nfc as well um, you know, we're super paranoid about this stuff. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you don't want NFC, uh, you can one, turn it off. It comes off on settings, but you don't have to trust the off. You can go and you can scrape a little trace, uh, near the micro SD port and it permanently oh, wow. disables it. Right. So it doesn't work anymore forever. <laughs> uh, unless you right. go and you try to yeah. solder it back, but even then it might not work great. So, so just so people know personally, for my cold storage needs, I'm going to scrape it. I don't want my cold storage cold card to have any radios on. Yeah, probably same, honestly. But that's great that you guys thought to include that. That's, I mean, that's yeah, exactly like, what you want. Transparency. You know, <laughs> yeah, like for, for my operational needs, right? So like my, my BP85 stuff or my like, you know, like uh, let's call it the checking account where I do pay bills and whatever. I don't care. I'm going to have the NFC on there and just use it. Um, so that's that on NFC. Um, and then we also have a new feature called virtual disk. So essentially cold card emulates a virtual disk via USB. So that means that if you don't want to use the micro SD, you don't have to, you can just dump a PSBT file right on the cold card via USB. Uh, and cold card is going to sort of like read that it's not real memory. It's not like it's hard to convey, but, uh, it, it's very virtual <laughs> uh, inside the device. So it's not a lot of attack vectors there. Um, and then you can sign it that way. You're going to be able to encrypt random secrets as well. Uh, and maybe store them on the device or a micro SD card. Um, what else, uh, on the security side, we actually now have two secure elements instead of one. So, um, and they're from different vendors. So now you'd have to break three separate chips, the MCU, secure element one, secure element two, to be able to extract a seed or do something malicious on it. 
So good luck <laughs> to the attackers. You're going to have to spend some money and some time trying to break it. And uh, yeah, so, so there's a lot of stuff like that. Yeah, NVK had a quick question. So the um, NRC that's on there, NFC that's on there, um, when you're scratching it, I mean, that sounds really cool if you're using it as a device to do tap to sign and all that. I'd be kind of in a similar boat to you and Alex using it more as cold storage. Uh, I guess it, it, it was a little worrying that you have the option to scratch and break it, but the last thing I'd want to do is scratch and break it and harm the device. I guess what's a way that you guys designed it to prevent that from happening and actually, you know, damaging anything else except for the uh, NRC? Oh, yeah. So, so the, the, first, we don't use standard thickness boards. We use a thicker board uh, for the device. So it, it's very hard to damage it. Uh, two is, you know, the trace is very easy to scratch. So like with, with a proper little knife or a screwdriver or something, right? Uh, so like it's very easy to scratch. It's very hard to scratch accidentally. <laughs> you know, if you're sticking keys in that hole, I mean, you're going to probably break <laughs> other things. Anyways. So I wouldn't worry about that. Uh, and and the, the micro SD doesn't material that's made doesn't really scratch PCBs either, right? So, so there is no concern about accidental scratching with the micro SD. Thank you. That, that gives me uh, more peace of mind. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's a good question. If, if I may jump in, um, one of the features that, in my opinion, is actually my favorite feature of the MV4 or MK4, apologies, um, that you haven't actually touched on are these trick pins. Um, talk to us a little bit about that and sort of how they work and what either limitations they have or what um, they have that maybe isn't offered by any other cold card. Yeah. So, okay. So, Mark III had two big limitations, right? One was the, the amount of memory for settings, right? And the very limited sort of capabilities of the secure element, which are on purpose, right? That secure element is like, it's almost just like a secure memory chip, right? There's very little that you can do. With the secondary secure element that has more room and a few more capabilities, plus the more uh, uh, room in memory for settings on the MCU, we can do a lot more stuff. So instead of only having a pin to brick or a pin to duress uh, or a pin to counter, right? Uh, the, the lockdown counter, for example, right? We can now make it fully dynamic. So that means you can choose what a pin does and even other secondary tertiary uh, uh, sort of effects or actions, right? So you can tell, so you can say, for example, if I put this pin, I want the device to go into a 24 hour lockdown, right? So it shows a counter for lockdown, but doesn't delete the seed. Or I want it to delete the seed with this other pin. Or for example, we can do Delta now. Delta is really cool. So if I put my pin, but I add to the end of it the the um, the uh, um, this, the uh, subtraction of the last two digits of my pin. So I do the math in my head. I wanted to delete the seed, for example. So I don't even need an extra pin. We just have like deltas, for example. And deltas are are very well known in the safe industry. So uh, this is a very common behavior, not for our generation, but like anybody else who handles safes, physical safes, already know this stuff. Um, and, and we're trying to essentially add, you know, like the absurd amount of, of optionality with pins so that 
uh, when an attacker, you know, listen, an average attacker looking at a cold card is going to probably just try to beat you, right? But like a, a slightly more advanced attacker, somebody who's like taking you, you know, coming into your house or law enforcement, or whatever, um, they will probably have done a little research on the device to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. And what's cool is that if we have like an absurd amount of options, they do not know and cannot know which permutation you have, right? In your game theory of, of like which labyrinth you're going to take to your seed. Right? So like, you know, you can have like 10 different options that cause 10 different things um, depending on which scenario you encounter yourself in. Um, I think that's super important. Like I, I don't want to put people in, in, in sort of like harm's away uh, uh, with, with like, you know, an attacker already knowing that like you only have a brick me pin or, or, you know, you only have this one option or these two options. And we want to sort of like broaden them up to, to essentially remove the, the symmetry of information that the attacker may have on you. Uh, that, that's sort of the idea on, on those, the, the, the trick pins. Yeah, so I I just want to make sure I understand what you said. So so the delta would be I just I could in theory put the same pin that I have just to sign just slightly shorter and enter that instead, and that could brick the device. Did I mishear that? Yes. Yeah. Well, we, you would you would add say say your last two digits are one and two. So mm-hmm. if you add another one after that, uh, you would you would brick, or whatever you want it to do. Oh, so it's additional digits, not not fewer. Well, yeah, or either it's, it's an adi- it's an additional one, mm-hmm. uh, but based on the math of the last two digits. Okay, that makes sense. Get, you have to subtract them from one another and then add yes. that final digit to the end. Ah, okay, okay. So I, I am kind of curious because, and and this could just be a, such an ignorant question, and I apologize if it is, but for example, if this wallet is now locked or under duress. Are, are you guys involved at that point in helping the actual proper owner down the line later? Does the wallet eventually unlock? Talk to me a little bit about what I've gotten away from the, the bad guy. He held a gun to my head. I put the wallet in duress. It said no Bitcoin. I am now safe and free. Now, how do I get my Bitcoin back? Well, you just put the right pin. <laughs> Okay, so it's literally as simple as that. The Bitcoin literally that's just it. that's it. But 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 the cool thing is too, like you know, you might want to protect yourself further, right? Like I, you know, I cannot know where people live, what kind of situations they're in, and what kind of appetite they have, and what kind of like stomach they have for for this kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's good to also be in a position where you literally cannot do anything, right? So, having say, for example always a timer so no matter what for that specific device it's always three hours right so so maybe that is the solution for you right because Mm. you should you should definitely have more than one device right you should have a device that serves different purposes right in your life especially as we move on to um you know having more circular economies with bitcoin or maybe you know, maybe you do a little bit of trading, whatever it is that you might have other needs aside from just cool, cool storage, or maybe you want to just de-risk your your main pile into two or three different wallets, right? With with mm-hmm. different thresholds or different just scenarios, even if that may be um, geographically 
different places, right? So it, it's important for people to sort of like create a little map on a piece of paper, right? And try to figure out case scenarios and build a tree, right? Of like, okay, if uh, say, for example, your prime minister decides to have an emergency act where they can open all the safe deposit boxes without court orders and they can come to your house and beat you, right? What do you do in that case, right? Do you have maybe access to your Bitcoin from a different country, traveling naked, right? Without a single piece of information on you, right? Um, do you, or, or for example, there's an, like a catastrophe, right? Like a, 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 in, your, in your location, maybe you want a backup somewhere else. Um, so for example, if you're gonna use safe deposit boxes, you should probably be using CDXOR, right? So that uh, if somebody gets into your safe deposit box, that seed that's sitting there is just a part of that, of that seed, right? It's not the full secret. Or maybe it's multi-sig. Um, I, I think everybody is gonna have very different needs, right? So say for example, you're a farmer, right? You can probably find some place in your field and bury your seed and nobody's gonna ever find it, right? Like ever. But you live in a condo downtown as a single guy, right? Like there is no place to, to stick that thing, right? Like, you know, they're gonna probably find it. So- Can I tell you a, a funny story real quick? <laughs> NVK, so, uh, I come from like, you know, the, the, the country we had like kind of like generally just like land in the family, uh, was considering whether or not to bury, uh, you know, some Bitcoin. And then we got hit with an eminent domain case, uh, <laughs> for a private interest pipeline and, uh, precisely like the area that I was planning way out in the wilderness to bury my, uh, card like there was going to be uprooted and a ditch dug and pipe laid which is absurd <laughs> it's just kind of a funny yeah, no, it totally, anecdote like, of this, like yeah these things can totally happen right I, I mean and remember right when you sell the land all the things that are in it go with it right so you have to think about multi-generational as well right because your kids are going to probably inherit the same seed and your grand grandkids might actually inherit that same seed too, right? Uh, it, it, when you think about like that sort of like time scale, it starts to get interesting, right? Um, you know, what if somebody sells the farm now? The new owners might actually have a claim to that claim to that BTC <laughs> that was buried in it. Um, <clears throat> it's super interesting kind of just speaks to how like there's no one solution for everybody and i mean that like totally supports your thesis of optionality i i so i do wonder like is there a base level of kind of uh options on the cold card that that you think most users ought to use or is it really case by case for you it's a bit of both but i i'd say like you know it also depends on the amount of money you have right so you know so let's say you just started Bitcoin, you just have a few thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin, right? So it's not like a few hundred bucks, just keep on a phone wallet and, and that's it, right? I mean, really. Um, but let's say now you have just a few thousand bucks, right? It's like meaningful money to you. Um, you know, make sure you have at least like one or two other pin options there, you know, maybe the brick me option or at least the timer option, just in case. Um, you know, 
absolutely have a metal backup of that seed. You know, maybe, I don't know, like stick it inside the wall somewhere. Um, and uh, just in case of fire as well. And then, uh, and then, you know, passphrase is nice. No, I wouldn't say it's like super necessary if somebody has a few thousand dollars, but like it's definitely the next upgrade in your security. Uh, if you do have a passphrase, make sure you have a backup of the passphrase somewhere else. <laughs> uh, because, you know, you could get hit by a bus and then, you know, family cannot get it, right? Uh, and the whole point of the passphrase is to extend the secret. So if you're doing the passphrase right, nobody can brute force it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so it's just something to keep in mind as well. I, I wanted to ask if you could quickly, because I know this was confusing when I first used a passphrase. Could you explain the difference between the passphrase and the pin to use uh, your device? Sure. Okay. So, so the pin is nothing more than us protecting the device, right? The pin has nothing to do with your seed. It's kind of like, just like a safe box, right? You have a pin to open the safe box, the gold inside the safe box is unrelated to the pin, right? Now, passphrases are inherent parts of the secret. So think about it this way. Your secret to move your Bitcoin is your seed, right? Now, if you have a passphrase, that seed is no longer the secret to move your Bitcoin. It's that seed plus the passphrase that's the combine of the two are the new secret to move your passphrase, sorry, to move your, your Bitcoin, right? Passphrase is a terrible misnomer. It should have been called seed extensions, salt, something else. But, but it, it's, uh, the passphrases are not passwords. They're mm -hmm. inherent parts of the seed now. My fellow clubs, the Bitcoin conference is back. Bitcoin 2022, April 6th through the 9th is the ultimate pilgrimage for the Bitcoin ecosystem. The Bitcoin conference is the biggest event in all of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. We're leveling up and making this bigger and better than ever. I'm talking straight to the moon with the four day long festival in the heart of Miami at the Miami Beach Convention Center. This has something for everyone. Whether you're a high-powered Bitcoin entrepreneur, a core developer, or a Bitcoin newbie, Bitcoin 2022 is the ultimate place for you to be with your people and celebrate and learn about the Bitcoin culture. So make sure to go to b.tc forward slash conference to lock in your official tickets and use promo code Satoshi for 10% off. You want more off? Pay in Bitcoin and you'll receive $100 off general admission and $1,000 off whale pass. Those are stackable. So go to b.tc forward slash conference and attend the best conference in Bitcoin history. And when you, when you, just to be clear, when you add those passphrases, that's like a whole new derivation path. If you were to kind of like re bring up your wallet on a different physical device, mm -hmm. right? You, you still need a, that same passphrase, even if you have your, your 12 or 24 words. That's correct. Yes. Because that is now your, your Bitcoin. Let's call it this way, right? I, I normally don't like to say the seed is the Bitcoin because it's kind of not technically true, but let's just for sake of simplicity, right? Mm -hmm. Your Bitcoin is your seed. Now, if you use a passphrase, your Bitcoin is your seed plus passphrase. So yeah, it's technically just the 25th word would be an easy way to describe it as well, That's right. right? Yes. Yep. yep. Okay. Yes. 
now, when it comes to passphrases, um, I, I normally like to recommend people to use, to not use special characters, to not use foreign characters, to keep it simple. Maybe mm -hmm. use, say, 12 English words, maybe from BIP39. Um, just because, you know, anything is supported, but it doesn't mean all devices support it. And there doesn't mean all devices will support it in the future, right? So you could be in a pickle where you have like complicated characters that don't have support in whatever device you're trying to use in a complicated situation in the future, right? So simplicity does help a lot too. And it's probably easier to, to remember as well, right? Yeah, and that's that would be like the trade-off with the 25th word is you now have a, a new secret. Um, that's right. Ideally to keep secret somewhere else apart from your other secrets. Yeah, it, it's one of those things that... Uh, um, so, you, you know, a good way of looking at it, it's like, you know, say you have your 24-word or 12-word seed, right, in a, in a seed plate, right, a metal backup plate. Now, if you use BIP39 words for your passphrase, you pick 12, so it's 128 bits, right? Uh, and you put in another plate because these plates support BIP39, right? So you essentially now have two, two plates. Uh, and, and, you know, because again, most people lose their Bitcoin because of fires, because of forgetting it, because of dying, things like that. We see that on support, right? Uh, most people are not going to get robbed. So start from that premise, right? So just make sure you're not exposed to the very basics before you start complicating it. Mm -hmm. We were talking about it yesterday. And, and one of the things I fear for, you know, trying to have generational wealth and give it to my kids or great grandkids is, you know, kind of the unknown, exactly to your point. If you get in an accident or if I get hit by a car tomorrow and then it's so complex that no one knows how to enter it or the where it is, or even, um, you know, God forbid, you ha start having memory loss, like dementia. So it's something that you have in your, your mind. Like, I know if you're escaping an authoritarian government and you don't want to be caught with it, it can work for a time of trying to go over, you know, uh, borders of a country with it just in your mind or memorizing something and then restoring it and writing it down and putting it on a seed phrase. But I guess it's the fear of the unknown is my thing for, for me. If, you know, it's so complex that no one can get into it. Uh, that's kind of what you're doing for your heirs. It's so complex, even they don't know yeah, how to get into it. That's right. It's, it's just so important to have, like, you know, to document whatever setup you did, because it, it does come up, right? Especially to support, um, you know, oh, my husband had this crazy multi-sig setup. You know what I mean? It's like, like, you know, five out of 10. And it's like, I'm sorry, we can't help you. Like, you know, really, like he didn't, like there is no script, was on some armory setup, And, you know, there is services out there that might try to help, but like, it's not every case that's recoverable. So mm -hmm. a certain degree of simplicity goes a long way. It's like de-risk single points of failure, but don't overcomplicate it either, right? Uh, especially relative to the amount of money you're trying to defend. I think that's sort of like super important. Yeah, I agree with that. Often on the show, I I preach to people, this is not a one and done kind of solution. Any any security setup you have for your Bitcoin is going to change. Like I'm sure 
everyone, even on this call, feels differently about their Bitcoin today than they did in June of 2020 before, you know, like a mega price run up. And suddenly you have two, three, four times the net worth to secure. So I I tend to think of, um, you know, a, a proportion, a proportion of my net worth should be allocated in terms of like raw funds to the security. But usually once uh, that can be translated into time, like it's more education than anything else. Like these things aren't costly to do, especially doing them with cold cards. So I was wondering if you had any, um, I guess, just advice for people when they're thinking long term about their their security and their Bitcoin. You know, like it's kind of crazy that you can get some insane security for a hundred bucks right i mean it's it's pretty like just just imagine like how much it would have costed to protect you know a few hundred thousand dollars not even like you know lot lot money right uh, uh if it was gold okay like you know a to 30 safe is gonna run you a few grand it's gonna have to get installed on your basement bolted to the ground you're still going to want an alarm system for the house, you know, and everything that goes around it, right? And that's just for a few hundred thousand dollars worth of gold. When you're talking about a hundred bucks uh, for, for a hardware wallet, and there's some that are even cheaper, some are even like free and DIY, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's an exponential uh, uh, security improvement to your setup. And then just reflect on how much money you're trying to, to secure today if that's going to be the same amount on the same setup tomorrow, right? Uh, a good rule of thumb is uh, whatever whatever you're trying to secure today, try to do the security if you was 10x more because you don't want to have to, to move your money in haste, especially when it's worth more now. So, you know, like this happens a lot, right? Like people buy some mm-hmm. BTC, forget it on their phone wallet. This used to happen way more like, back in the day. And then, and then BTC, you know, they forget it for a couple of years and then BTC is 10X, right? <laughs> and then they go look on their phone and it's like, holy shit, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. worth a lot more money now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then like, now you're sort of like, oh my God, I need to move this, right? And, and, and you do it without spending the time to research and understand what's going on. So like put in the time now, right? And, and, and yeah. get, get things at least, in your mind is like, where do you want to go? Even if you're not doing it right away. Yeah, I can, I can second that. I'm definitely someone who kind of jumped head over heels into security without knowing what I was doing a few years ago. And I didn't lose any Bitcoin, thankfully, but I did have that sudden midnight panic of like a realization, just like, oh, wait, I fucked this up. Like this whole system could be compromised. Like I have to move this immediately, you know, and Having to do that at a high uh, fee with urgency is not fun at all. <laughs> like you no, really, it's not. like you said, you want you want time on your side. You want all the available resources on your side. So it's just kind of one step at a time. You know, thoughtful, um, low resting heart rate decisions when it comes to your Bitcoin. <laughs> That's right, right. You don't accidentally send it to the wrong address. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. MVK, I uh, I want to present a question, and uh, I hope I'm presenting it and asking in in a fair and appropriate way. But for you guys at CoinKite, what is the benefit of keeping your code 
uh, to yourselves rather than having it be open source? So it is open, right? It's it's not like there's a massive discussion of like, and nobody can agree on like, you know, what considers free open source and what isn't. You know, I'm thinking defensively um, when we decided to change the license because we started having cloner problems, right? It, it, I, I, I believe in fairness and, and I don't think it's fair for somebody to come take the code without a single contribution and then go raise VC money on top of it and try to compete with us. It's like, you know what? Go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? so, so I changed my license, right? We change it to something that is still fair to the users. It's like you can take it, you can modify it, you can give it to somebody. Like you can even sell your copy of it. Like it doesn't matter. You just can't build a business on top of it. Um, I think that if if things had gone differently, right? If people had contributed to the source code, uh, I think even legally, I wouldn't have been able to change the license if they had really contributed to it. Um, mm-hmm. So, so so that's sort of like where it's at. I just you know I think it was uh, I think I'm defending the the capability of the company to monetize its work and reinvest that in even more security, right? Um, you know, we're not chumps, so we're not going to play that game. That makes total sense. And and I don't see, a, I think there's sometimes this back and forth that people have, and you bring up an excellent point that there's no consensus on what is appropriate or what should be done. If it's your work, it's your work. What you choose to do with your work, I think is ultimately uh, prioritizing yourself, your business and your customers uh, that seems like a, a very straightforward through line. Uh, thank you yeah, for telling that out. Yeah, I, I, it's a very fair question, right? Um, I, I, you know, we contribute to a lot of open source, free open source. We fund a lot of stuff that we don't publicly talk about. Uh, you know, it, it, I think like each project and each thing that we do is going to have different sets of trade offs. You know, and and you know if if like the purity of, of the license is important to you, then either use an older, older version of our source code, which you can, and you can continue developing that, um, or go with something else. Can you maybe, and if there's nothing that has uh, come of this, that is completely fine and acceptable as well. But we've seen now where you are up North in Canada, we're seeing it in Eastern Europe as well. We're seeing the importance of self-storage, of privacy, of really owning your own Bitcoin. Is there anything that in this newest model or maybe in an upcoming update that you guys are working on that is a direct result of what you've seen happen over the last month in the world? Yeah, so this is something that, I don't know if, if I'm addressing the question like correctly because I'm not sure I get it, but like, just for example, in regards to say supply chains, right? Or because that's like a concern right now. Or in terms of like government uh, uh, coercion or or uh, uh, tentative to say change stuff or or try to I don't know like give us bad chips or something like that, right? Um, this is something that it's always been part of how we design the device. Uh, we don't trust any of the parts of the device in our architecture, right? Uh, you know, trust minimized, right? Like there's no such thing as no trust, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, the MCU doesn't trust the secure element. The secure element doesn't trust the MCU. 
Uh, that's how things are sort of like stored inside the device. You have, that's why you have to break both. And then we use off the shelf parts, right? So these are parts that automakers are using that like, uh, that like printers are using. So, you know, in order for, you know, the, the, the economic effort that a government would have to go through to produce, you know, tens of thousands of chips that are that are part of a million chip uh, uh, production uh, to affect just CoinKite uh, on a specific thing related to what we do, it's kind of absurd, right? And even if they did, you wouldn't be the end of the world now because now they have to do that to two chips. And now they're going to have to do that to three chips on the new model, right? So, you know, it, it's... It's a lot easier to see like when you're dealing with a state actor like that, that has the capability of altering silicon on a chip to attack a specific vendor that uses that chip, you know, they're going to send your SWAT team to your house first. (laughs) I mean, it's just so beyond uh, like unnecessary, right? To to go through all that effort because of us. Uh, We're still a niche product, right? We're not like the, the shit queen like solution that that has a much broader market uh so so the 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 cost effort to attack our customers is going to be too great and not worth it um and then when it comes to supply chain you know the 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 device is designed in such a way that you know if they capture the device in transit to a customer and try to do something with it it'll become very self-evident unless they're going through some absolutely insane level uh, uh, and I'm talking about like a few million dollars per unit to try to do something stupid, which might still be completely resolvable by just flashing the firmware. <laughs> and then again, right, if they're spending this per user, might as well send the SWAT team to their house, right? I, I think we've achieved a level of security that suffices most people's paranoia needs. And NVK, and a quick question for you. So in the, uh, the current state of the world, kind of going back to that, trying to escape uh, an authoritarian government or overreach from a corporation or whatever it may be, uh, I'd say, you know, Bitcoin on the main stage, while it is getting some, some spotlight and, uh, you know, Bitcoiners, we love it, but I would say it's still pretty unknown compared to the world globally. It's not, you know, everyone knows what the internet is and such. Do you have, uh, do you worry about your products becoming more recognizable that, you know, I'm going across the border and instead of them just thinking it's a calculator, they, they understand that it's a cold card. Uh, I know I like open dimes and the way that they look, you could throw those on a keychain, and someone would just think it's like a, a thumb drive or a USB drive. Do you have future iterations that might even deviate or, or change the way that it looks to be, uh, I guess, more camouflage would be the way to describe it. So um, I, I think... Um, you know, as much fun as we'd like to have with the idea of, of like camouflage, let's put it that way. Uh, it's all theater. Realistically mm-hmm. speaking, uh, you know, as soon as hardware wallets become a concern for governments, they'll simply add to the image recognition software on their x-ray machines at the airport. And they will immediately just say like code card version, whatever. <laughs> like it, it really, so like I really, really would like to discourage people from taking hardware wallets or Bitcoin devices through airports. And if you do, make sure that you have a brick me pin set up. Um, and, uh, and, you know, like if you do have to carry 
uh, your seed through borders, you know, maybe a micro SD card is the way to go, or maybe, you know, writing on, on the Bible or something, whatever it is, um, or just, you know, memorize it. Uh, I don't think it's a good idea. And also you could be breaking laws too, right? Uh, there are capital control laws through airports. If you don't declare it, it's a problem. Uh, and, and you get tricky because the keys are with you. So, mm-hmm. you know, watch out on that. Uh, we do have a new product coming that they'll be a little bit easier to take through airports, but still not a good idea. Like the the tap signer and the sets card, uh, uh, they're just cards. But still, you know, if you are a person of concern or or uh, or Bitcoin now became a concern through borders, I think it would be a very bad idea to uh, to do that. I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. Yeah, I can feel that. It's I find it's pretty fun to bring open dimes with I while I travel, just as like a fuck you to TSA. But yeah, I probably would not uh, head out of the country with my cold card unless I had kind of. I mean, can you factory reset a cold card? Like, could I take the twelve words, let's say, memorize them, and then reuse my same device? Let's say you're fleeing Ukraine and yes. you just want to read. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, okay, totally, totally doable. Uh, maybe, you know, yeah, I mean, that's totally doable. Uh, one feature that I want to do um, that's on our to-do list for the new version is going to be for you to drop a picture uh, from your camera into the virtual disk. And we are going to stick the the code card back up encrypted inside that picture file. And then you can put it back in your camera or something. Uh, and then it's like now you essentially just have a picture file that looks like a picture file. Um, you know, unless they do deep data analysis on that, uh, it's it's definitely hidden. So hang on, that would be somewhere in the metadata of the photo. You've got your whole device just virtually backed up. Yep. Wow, that would be cool. Inter- Again, right? Like these things are very easy for deep data analysis to figure it out. Right, the same way they mm-hmm. can figure out if your laptop has a an extra partition or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but you know it's one more tool, right? Uh, we yeah. we want to we want to make it so that uh, the cost of trying to analyze for all the options is so great that the attackers don't pursue that. Yeah, I I love it. There's lots of uh, you know just kind of short term like quick fix solutions, longer term like it works great for just permanent kind of don't touch storage. Do you want to talk about the the cards that you're coming out with a little more? Uh, sure. Okay. So so there's two cards. Uh, sets uh, sets card is essentially an open dime, NFC, with ten reuses, because there's ten slots in that chip, uh, and it's going to be a lot cheaper. Um, but you know, it's going to require some wallet integration on the wallet apps. It's almost ready to be sent to devs to start sort of looking if they want to integrate or not. Um, and then tap signer is essentially a private key in a card. So it's kind of like a harder wallet that's blind signer. You, you do get a pin, it's a changeable pin. Uh, and then say, for example, you're using blue wallet, you don't want a full blown harder wallet, you just want to tap to sign transactions. You can do that with tap signer or you can use it for multi-sig. You can use it for message signing, all kinds of things like that. We, it's one of those products like we don't yet know how people are going to use it. <laughs> we just want to make it. 
Nice. Yeah, that sounds fun. Uh, we've got we've got about ten more minutes here, guys. So between uh, Q and Chris, do you have any uh, kind of last questions that we want to ask? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, MVK, do you have any surprises that you're going to drop for us at the conference that you can maybe get excited or at least give inklings to our uh, listeners about potential products that are coming out or any surprises that we want to know about? So if it wasn't for all this shit show in the world, uh, we do have a dev uh, in, in the other side of the planet. Uh, we were hoping to, to have the cards maybe ready to at least demo at the conference. So I don't know yet. So there, there is a chance. Uh, it's still sort of hanging in the air. Um, and uh, don't know, may, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe a Mark IV comes around for, for demoing. So, so I, I, don't, I don't have, we're terrible at marketing, like with regards to like keeping secrets and sort of holding them for announcements. <laughs> we just sort of like, you know, yay, we pushed the branch. Oh, let everybody know kind of thing, right? So uh, I, I hope that we have things to show people there in person uh, that, that are like ready, ready to go or close to ready to go. That's, that's, that's my hope for, uh, for Bitcoin Miami. I'm, nice. I'm really looking forward to, uh, to being at the beach. Me too. Beyond just some announcements on your guys' end, is there any speaker, anything at the conference that you're really excited for? I, I mean, you guys like... How many speakers do you have now? Like a thousand? <laughs> I mean, is there anybody who's not in Bitcoin who's not speaking at the conference? Um, it, it, no, it really is like, it, it's pretty crazy. I mean, you guys should change it from conference to festival. Um, you know, it's time to rename it. it, it it's, uh, it, it really drives me insane that I, list, I, I missed the last one. Um, you know, with the travel restrictions and stuff was very difficult. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it would be really cool to see what uh, El Salvador is going to announce. You know, I saw that Peterson is going to speak. I'm curious to see what he's going to talk about Bitcoin. It, it, it's just fun to see all these people who had not had to understand Bitcoin the last few years, who finally understood Bitcoin, to see, like, what they have to say um, because they're kind of like the new wave of people coming in. So it's just, it's just very curious to see how they understand Bitcoin. Um, and I'm just looking forward to, 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 to hanging out with a bunch of Bitcoiners again and uh, all the good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I appreciate the open-mindedness there because we also get a lot of backlash for having anyone other than like certified OG Bitcoiners speak at the conference. But I'm with you, man. I'm just curious to hear people's takes. You can learn, you can learn things from very, very stupid people. And no one at our conference that's speaking is like very stupid person. You know what I mean? They're all going to have something interesting to say. I'm, I'm for it. I think it's going to be great. You, you know, like... Nobody understood Bitcoin years ago, right? Like the majority of the people always thought Bitcoin was a store of value. Sorry, a medium of exchange, right? Like it's kind of fascinating. That's why how the, the block wars came to be and all this stuff. Because, you know, aside from, I think, Trace Mayer, everybody else always sort of like saw Bitcoin as payments. We saw Bitcoin as payments. We used to make Bitcoin payment debit, uh, debit cards, right? So... It's just nice to see, like, you know, the, 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 
the understanding evolving and, and seeing how all this, this new people sort of see it too. Uh, you know, nobody holds, there, there is no idols and, and nobody owns the, the, the podium of Bitcoin, right? Plus, we're all tired of hearing people like myself talk too. It's like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> bring on some flesh blood. You never. Uh, and Mikhail, <laughs> I want to throw a, a one quick question from Shane Tremell in our chat. Uh, can you clone an MK, MK3 to an MK4 when it is released? Yes. Uh, so starting on MK3, we have this new feature called cloning. Uh, so essentially, there is a, a little dance with the microSD. The microSD goes to the destination first. It gives it a key. And then it goes to the, to the source, which essentially creates a handshake. Uh, so now you have an encrypted backup without needing to know the password to move between the two. Uh, you just have to keep both on. Uh, it's an ephemeral key. Um, and, uh, and then you can just securely transfer between them. So, you know, if, hmm. uh, if uh, uh, a CO19 drops in your house in between moving that card, you don't have to worry. They can take the card and you're okay. <laughs> protected from SEAL Team 6 breaking into my home. So thank you, NVK, for that. <laughs> 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 that's a large claim <laughs> that's awesome i uh mvk do you have any um you know final thoughts words of wisdom um or, or pitches you want to make for your products love to hear them <laughs> uh no i mean you know i just just uh you know go check out like people should just go read the docs and learn about them. There's just so many features that are completely sort of underused or, or uh, and just unknown, kind of like the BIP-85. You know, we had that feature sitting on, on the cold card for like, I don't know, a year or two now. And like, finally, people realize that, you know, go check out like, uh, you know, uh, a seed XOR. It, it, it's like a huge upgrade to your, to your seed security. Um, yeah, just, just go, go read. Uh, there is so much you can do with it. Yeah, I will say that's been kind of one of the <laughs> more exciting parts about like kind of like my own Corin Kite product journey is just like reading all the documentation you guys have done on all these, um, you know, variety of uh, security elements that you have. And otherwise, it's it's a pretty fun website. We'll definitely drop some links in the chat uh, here. Awesome, guys. Yeah, for sure. All right. I think we should also uh, throw some sats in the chat for everyone who's been sticking around and hearing all, all the NVK had to share. I mean, I I told the two of you, this is a, a little bit out of my depth. I learned a ton. NVK, thank you, man. It it was a, a wonderful education experience. I, I have some, uh, some places and questions I know better how to ask and things I know I'm going to be educating myself on. So thank you. At least you helped one person. Uh, learn a lot more about this space. Hey, uh, it was my my pleasure. This was a lot of fun. Awesome, great to have you on MVK. After I get to play with uh, you know the MK4 a little bit, I'll look forward to having you on again to chat more. Thanks so much for joining us today, man. Take care, guys. Take care, All right, guys. I think. Uh, you know, that was awesome. If you're just tuning in, please, you know, go back and listen to the discussion. 
you know, get ready, go order your tickets if you have not yet for Bitcoin 2022. NVK is going to be speaking. We're all going to be there excitedly sharing, you know, what we know about Bitcoin and also just kind of enjoying the company of people with similar interests. So outside of that, I think uh, it's fair to say this is probably one of the biggest like job opportunities you could have. I'm not personally hiring anyone at the conference, but I know a lot of people who are, a lot of scouting. I think this is going to be one of the bigger networking events in like the tech finance industry and just in general. I mean, you don't have to be like a computer programmer to come find a job in Bitcoin. I'm not. I'm a very dumb person, managed to find good jobs in Bitcoin. Guys, I highly recommend you come uh, out to the conference and just uh, get to know some people, network, use our promo code YTMAG for 10% off your tickets. Um, I look forward to seeing you all there. Yeah.